Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guest on the podcast is Kevin Murphy from the trio Slow Moving Clouds. They've just released their second album, Starfall. And if you haven't heard of the band before, like you've got to listen to this album. It kind of sounds like nothing else. It mixes uh, Nordic, Finnish and Irish folk and trad music together and it creates this kind of avant-garde like I think it's a bit wall of soundy. Kevin says that it's got kind of post-punk drones on it. There's baroque strings and there's falsetto vocals in there as well, kind of layered on top. And it kind of makes this sound that yeah, it sounds really, really original. Uh the collaboration is well, it's Kevin Murphy uh on cello and vocals, it's Danny Diamond on fiddle, and then it's a Finnish player called Aki. It's spelt A-K-I, so my tendency is to pronounce it Aki, uh, but it's Aki. He plays the nickel harpa and uh, does vocals as well. And it really does sound like something really fresh, invigorating, exciting. If you like the gloaming, I think you're really, really going to like Starfall. Uh, So I got to talk to Kevin just a couple of days ahead of the release of that second album. He's a cello, he's an experimental cellist and composer. He's been in loads of stuff over the last 25 years. Uh, He's played with the likes of uh, the band Dave Gahan from Depeche Mode and Gavin Friday. He's also played with Irish folk artists like John Spillane and Patricia uh, Scanlon and he was also in the band Seti the first before kind of move, moving into slow moving clouds they released their first album a couple of years ago and then they also played they also composed the music for Chuck Douse's Swan Lock slash Loch Na Halla man once I have to switch quickly from English into Irish when I'm reading it I'm just kind of like uh oh does not compute does not compute I think I I just passed it there maybe if I didn't say anything no one would be any the wiser so um, Kevin kind of explains uh, that collaboration and how it came about the album is going to be the album is going to be released on the People Music platform which you might have heard Justin Vernon and the Desners from The National are kind of the driving force behind that it's based in Berlin and Big Red Machine a collaboration between Justin Vernon the Desners and uh, some of Arcade Fire they released their album on the People Music platform a couple of weeks ago it's a good album it's a good album I like it Uh, it's got Bonnie Vare overtones in there which uh, are always nice and it's also got kind of a court connection I think I don't know if it was their first gig but I saw uh, Big Red Machine in Cork for uh, the first sounds from a safe harbour three years ago and Kevin talks about how uh, his Slow Moving Clouds collaboration with the Desners kind of kicked off at Slow uh, at sounds from a safe harbour as well um, and they were at the People Music Festival that was in Berlin a couple of weeks ago so he talks uh, later on in the podcast about who they got to play with that. It sounds like an absolutely mad experience that happens at the Funkhauser um, Hotel. I think it's the Funkhauser. If I'm, if I'm wrong, just, you know, just, just continue. Just continue. You'll figure it out. Just use the old Google there. So, yeah, I got to talk to uh, Kevin about uh, the amazing new album, Starfall, and everything that uh, Slow Moving Clouds have been on their journey over the past few years. So you can... Uh, you can uh, listen to the podcast and and savor it. I started by asking him if he was uh, excited about the release of Starfall. 
well, there's about 101 things that could still go wrong between now and over the next 48 hours. So uh, excitement isn't the, the overriding feeling of fear and dread. And I'll be excited on Saturday morning. But I mean, I have been excited about the whole thing and the build up to the to the few weeks where, um, uh, you know, we're trying to get videos together and uh, get all the press and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of exciting. And it's we've got a, a press error at the PR team in the UK as well. So it'll be interesting to see because we've got a, a tour coming up there in October. So we've never done this before. So. You know, we, uh, who knows what's going to happen? So on the level, it is definitely very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time that you've had like a press team in the UK, is it? Have you been in the UK anyway? Yeah. yeah. Have... Here as well, but the, the, especially over there. Yeah. Is is that just because like of what you've done over the past two years? It's like you've just been drawing eyes from from all over, sort of thing. Well, we um, well we are equipped with an agent um, called Serious Lives. And um, they're uh, they pretty much recommended it um, that if um, we're going to be serious about trying to fill some of these places, they're, they're much bigger than we played in Ireland as well. That we need that kind of thing. So um, yeah, I mean we're here now. BBC Three are starting to pick it up, and there's but it's, you know they just have it the last week or two. So we'll, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. But yeah, the only things are uh, we're trying to move things on as possible to uh, uh, the next level. So I suppose you have to try and um, ensure that you know people get to hear it. Uh, hmm. So it'll be great being polished and fancy and swanky, and there's nobody at the gigs. So it's important to get that side of it right. Uh, do you think that um, live is where kind of slow-moving clouds live and breathe? The, the two gigs as opposed to recordings. I mean. Yeah. Um, well, we I hope not because we haven't probably haven't been doing enough. Um, <laughs> we we've been involved in um, the Swan Lake Loch Nahalla uh, dance theatre production. Uh, Michael Keegan Dolan's and that's been we wrote the music for that and it's been a big success. Um, globally, even so, it means that we've been touring with that. And it means we haven't been doing our own gigs, although you know the name is getting across at the same time. Um, so I mean, I'm not too sure. I mean, I, I, I see us. I mean, I, for example, this recording I think is a, a, a considerable development on the first one, and I'm as excited really about the recordings as I am. Well, you can't be when a, a gig is good. There's, there's no other feeling at the same time. But um, for one, no, I've. I've really enjoy the recording process and trying things out and some things just don't work out as the way you thought they were going to work out and it can be terribly disappointing and then some half idea turns into the most important song of the album these kind of things so I find all that very exciting as well and we will have to up our game now with the, the, the live stuff we're going to have to play more I think just to get the word out um like it, the I think. Am I right in saying that the Swan Lake um stuff premiered last September? Was it? It was about a year ago. No, no, I, I can't. I'm, it it it's at least a year before that. Oh, I okay. Was it two years? On the road for two. It's either two or three years. Yeah. Oh. And okay. premiered at the Dublin Film Festival, but I can't remember which year. Maybe it's two years. I'll be around now because I think the the. The, the theatre festival is all around this time as well 
right. No, I was just going to ask, like, how how the recording for this album worked kind of in tandem with uh, the Swan Lake touring around. But I guess that if it was two years ago, you've had I'm sure that you've had uh, quite a lot of time recently to uh, work on the album. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, those slots tended to be, you know, blocks of two months. Um, uh, or so, and then you did, you know, you may not be doing anything for two months after that or three months. So there was, there was lots of time to, to, to get the album together anyway. There is some bit of crossover. We used a couple of things. Well, we used a couple of things in the dance show that we've been working on before. And then we did versions of them in the dance show that suited the biography. And then we went back to the originals for the album. And in one or two cases, stuff that we did for the dance show, we brought back and developed into bigger pieces of music than for the album. Oh. So there was a kind of um, creative crossover there, if you will. Right, yeah. W- w- was that always kind of the plan, that you were kind of, they were kind of working tandem? Um, yeah, no, uh, not really. I mean, I'd like to say we plan things like this, uh, it's, uh, but it's kind of makey-uppy. Um, in that, um, no, I mean, actually, I mean, we, we have released <clears throat> the soundtrack or the score for Lochnahalla on its own, um, which was just us in the studio playing it exactly as it's played, um, on stage, um, for the dance show. And then, uh, and as I say, in a couple of cases, there's a few tunes that are similar. But uh, no, there was no plan. Let's just play it by ear. I mean, the only one tune that may have been a little bit controversial is the last one, a controversial that we weren't too sure should we put it on, was the one uh, Swan Song, mm. which um, is the last song and uh, clearly is not a traditional Irish tune or a traditional Finnish tune by any wild stretch of the imagination. So in, in, in that case, we were thinking, should we really put this on or not? And but the, the feedback from that when we play it live, or if anybody hears, it, has been absolutely huge. So we thought, well, it's it's been a big part of our uh, musical life for the last two years, so uh, it's going on. And so, uh, j- just because you kind of um kind of mentioned the sound there and genres, like, do you feel kind of beholden to one genre, or are you like we can go wherever we want? We don't have to be like uh, stuck between these borders of you know like oh we're a traditional music band or whatever. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that's something that we grapple with, like, on a, I'd say, a weekly basis. That's brought up in band meetings. Um, it's how, where are we going? How far? Um, and I don't know. I mean, when I, uh, this album is clearly moving away from the trad genre a bit, but I mean, it's clearly still a trad uh record to a certain extent in that um you know most of the tunes except for um uh, swan song are either irish finnish tunes or tunes that we would have made well danny primarily would have written or maybe Aki in one case um and they are you know they're 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 not traditional because they're written recently but they're of that uh, genre at the same time, melodically. So, yeah, I mean, we to say, I mean, we're we what is it? We were down at the Bantry House thing last night, down by Martin Hayes to play at Masses of Tradition. 
um, uh, things like that. We we get invited to all the time. You know, players, established traditional players, appear to have no problem with us being uh, part of the. I've seen a vast majority of them that I'm aware. Of. I see, I see us as definitely maybe a, a, an innovation for sure, but um, still rooted in in folk music. But yeah, I'm kind of skirting around the question as to how far we want to how far we want to go. And I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, with this band, it, it, it's we're we're using traditional Irish and traditional Finnish music as a template. And we're probably not adhering to too many rules uh, beyond that. And there wouldn't be a huge principled um, uh, target or something in, in that. It's just no more hedonistic. We, we just kind of want to do, we want to hear stuff that makes us feel good and that we respond to ourselves. And so therefore we take a few risks. We do things we're not really supposed to do. And if it feels good, then we go along with that. Was that kind of a very shallow theoretical <laughs> position to take, but anyway, that's the truth. Was that kind of the MO when slow moving cloud started? Just kind of like do whatever we want to do. Well, to to a certain extent, yeah. No, it was it was. Um, sorry, I mean, as I listened to the first album, now the odd time recently, I think actually we didn't really go too far but I mean in certain cases we did there was um, there was a kind of a big a, a lush string thing uh, especially at the the lower end um, that was kind of like, quite intense and that was unusual and yeah that's, that's something that we wanted to do at the beginning so I suppose yeah the MO at the, at the beginning was straight away let's try and well yeah, let's do what we want and Certainly from my end, although I've been in trad bands for years, the my main musical trust, I suppose, is um, I would be a huge fan of My Bloody Valentine as an well, underground, that kind of thing. And I see some parallels in those bands, funnily enough, with some traditional music. But um, it was to bring in some kind of dissonance and some kind of, in, uh, you know, intensity to the backing that we were doing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we weren't over overly self-conscious about it either. Like, it's like, oh, we must make this quirky or we must make... It, it was just, let's see what happens and talk about it as it happens. And again, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you really can plan these things. I mean, I think if you really plan how you're going to sound, I think you have no hope of succeeding. I don't know. To me, you just all have to come together, spit it out, go through all the debris and rearrange in a way that you think is aesthetically pleasing and move on. That definitely is a pretty gross way of putting it, maybe, but that's kind of how I see it anyway. Like, was there one kind of moment or one piece of music that you listened to where you thought like, oh, people are actually kind of like looking for something a little bit different than just like traditional trad or something? Like, I know in like I was listening to the album and you probably get this a lot, but the gloaming and stuff like that does come to mind. And, you know, their success that they've had over the past like five or six years or something. Did you see that and you were like, geez, maybe people do want something like a little bit different from the norm? 
yes. Well, what to say about that? The gloaming definitely has been a considerable influence. Um, but as regards the whole wanting something new thing, and that's a, that's an interesting question. That I, I, I mean, personally myself, I've for somebody who's been into uh, fairly left field music for a long time, it's kind of weird that it only struck me recently that, of course, to, you know, people want something that they're craving for it in the same way I am. But sometimes I, I think musicians are, well, certainly me, fall into a trap of, I must do, if I, you know, if I want a career in music, I have to follow certain rules. But yes, that's true in some cases. We shit loads of genres where somebody who looks better than another person comes along and plays the exact same thing, but they're successful. But on the other hand, there are people craving new things. And um, we just, we were definitely taking a risk. There's no doubt about it. Like we've put a load of work into it, but it's on the basis that if it makes us, sound, if it makes us feel good, um, it will translate to other people. And we certainly had a few wobbles at the beginning <laughs> where we were getting some good reaction and some people <laughs> telling us it was not good. But I mean, I'm old enough now to recognize that that's probably a good sign as well. If, if it's polarizing people, it's probably good and you just have to keep the head down and believe that you're doing the right thing. So, uh, yeah. And and just talking more about kind of the beginning of the band, like people might be listening to this and they'll be like melding traditional Irish music with Finnish music. How how does that come about? Like, how did you meet Aki who plays the nickel harpa? Um, well, apparently I met Aki in Helsinki in around, uh, yeah, it's, I've been calling him Aki for about four years. I've eventually managed to get his name right in the last <laughs> six months. It's Aki. Um, I met him in Helsinki, apparently, in around 1994. <laughs> very little, very little apparently. memory of this. No, allegedly, yeah, there was an Irish festival on over there with Patrick Hugent. I think he was on the welcoming committee, and I felt very welcome in general. It was probably on the, on the batter for most of it. So I don't really remember meeting him, but we bumped into each other again a few times in Dublin. He moved over to Dublin then. And I had another band called Seti the First, and... I heard he had a nickel harpa, so I thought, well, that has to be in Sally the First anyway. I think he was a good musician. So he was in that band for a little while, and then we were doing it for a while. I, I remember having a few times with him trying Finnish music, just kind of being really experimental with Finnish music. And like after about, you know, 20 seconds, I was going, Jesus, this is, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, this is gold. Like, this is going to be brilliant. I loved it. Then we didn't get it together for a while, um, but he was in another band, well, a duo with uh, Danny, and so they were playing together, and they were playing kind of Finnish stuff and Irish stuff. Danny's a traditional Irish fiddle player. And then I was also messing around with Aki on kind of more uh, experimental stuff that wasn't trad. So anyway, to cut a long story short, we all decided to throw our lot in together and see what would happen. So... Um, and the idea was, yeah, uh, Aki was going to bring Finnish stuff, Danny the Irish stuff, and me the whatever. And, and so for people, and so for people like uh, I don't know me who uh, who probably wouldn't be au fait with kind of Finnish traditional music. Like what what are kind of the hallmarks of that genre? That sound. Um, well, mental time signatures. Anyway, ask anybody who's ever had to play them. I mean, they're ridiculous. 
Um, they're very hard to play in some cases. But uh, that's, I don't know, I've never been asked that question. Obviously, Ozzy would have a, a long answer for it. But um, well, certainly when they're played on the nickel harper, you do have this kind of really stark, lonesome uh, feel about it. But uh, they, they use pulses more than in the same way we use jigs and reels. Um, so uh, I'm, I I wouldn't try to guess now what kind of melodic structure or how they would be different to Irish trials. But um, so I'm just going to pass that question. <laughs> but I mean, one thing that Aki does bring that instrument brings a nickel harpa, which is uh, used. I mean, it's traditionally a, a Swedish. Um, I would think they were there in Sweden first, but it is used in Finnish music a lot too. Is that he can bring out these very, very beautiful chords as well. It's not just tunes. Oh, he does play tunes, his tunes as well. But a, a huge part of what he of earth sound is the uh, is what the, the nickel harper really fills it out and does give a really spacey, um, uh, yeah, kind of spacey. I'm going to say spiritual. Don't say spiritual. Spacey sound, full um, and kind of beautiful. So. So there, I kind of made a ball of describing Finnish music <laughs> to you there. It, it sounds like it was the challenge that you relished kind of as much as anything of trying to mesh these things together, like trying to figure out those mental time signatures. I, I would say definitely. I mean, I, myself and Aki especially have all these, have these chats about the what are we doing, where, why are we doing uh, foolish stuff, should we do this, blah, blah, blah. And one of the things that I always say that I, I don't want us to, the basic template of using folk to ever change is that challenge. I definitely love that. Um, that as I say, I was in trad bands for a while. I've always really liked traditional Irish music anyway, but I found a lot of it in, uh, inaccessible to me, especially as a cellist. So is, you end up playing the bass notes. It's, it's kind of good crack for a while and then it becomes very dull. So for me to try to find a different way of playing the cello to this, you know, that that for my ears really works is, is was a big challenge. And um, yeah, trying to get some maybe chord structures that would work with Finnish music, maybe put Irish tunes on top of them, these kind of things. Adding odd vocals, we we're experimenting with strange vocals now, and um, you know, it works. And but it's a challenge to get it to work because you can't just do any kind of Ooing and ang, squawking over tra- trad tunes and hope for the best. You know, it's very carefully um, figured. Well, whatever we work at it a lot to get that. And yeah, the challenge is a huge thing for me anyway. Yeah, and and just kind of staying with the sound and kind of talking about um, the new album. Uh, like I, I did write down uh, "wall of sound" in kind of my notes that I was making while listening. Uh, to the songs like particularly on the second last or yeah j- there's just a couple of tracks where it kind of feels like there's so much more going on than like you'd almost expect and I know in the press release as well you kind of mentioned like post-punk drones going on too like is that just the influence of the likes of My Bloody Valentine seeping through? Yeah I'd say so but I mean like I don't think Aki, for example, is um, a big My Bloody Valentine fan, but what he does on the Nickel Harper is is like is perfect for that. Um, 
So it's a, I mean, there's different things. Uh, and I, you know, Daddy plays tunes, but he also does lower end stuff that contributes to that as well. Aki does tunes, but he does these chordal things that are part of this, the, the, the kind of, if you want to call it post-punk drone thing. And obviously the, the low end of the cello it can be very effective in that. So, I mean, um, yeah, that those influences um, are definitely coming through. Um, uh, you know, I'm not in the first album too, but um, the second album, yeah, you know, I'm trying to think what I call it, wall of sound. Um, in some, in some cases, yeah, certainly the the very first song, the the, the end of it, this is a kind of a a massive wall of sound. Um, but yeah, I mean to answer your question, I suppose bands like uh, Michael Vampton or Mogwai or people like that. I mean, definitely Seagull Ross as well um, have played a big influence um, and will continue to do so. I suppose it's that kind of stuff that we have the arguments about. To what extent that should be, we should be doing more of that than um, more of the folk elements. And the, I think Danny's more on the folk side. He's more, funnily enough, on the he wants to go down the, the other version, and I'm I'm somewhere in the middle in that. To me, I, w- I want to 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 keep playing folk music in in this band for sure because of you know, the, the challenge, and I I get a huge buzz out of it. But yeah, those those two things, I suppose, the, the traditional and those influences that we just talked about there are the two things that fight against each other and work. When they work, then we keep them, and I suppose that's or that's kind of our creative template, or our creative nemesis at the same time, trying to make it work. <laughs> yeah, and uh, kind of you re- you released the debut album, and then you kind of got to play with Loch Nahala. Is that right? Like, how did that kind of all come about? I think it came about initially through Danny. Um, Michael Keegan Dolan was looking for a fiddle player for uh, his new piece and he got onto Danny then he heard that Danny was in the band he heard that and he thought that would fit perfectly with what he was trying to do he had he, he was very focused on Nordic traditional music as well and I think at one stage he had um, it was either, I think it was a Swedish guy to do the music and couldn't couldn't do it then so that was very much in his head a lot of the dancers were from uh, Scandinavia or Nordic countries as well um, and the idea was that well I'm not too sure to what extent it's true that this is the idea but he, he was de- definitely playing around with two worlds this was a, a theme in um, in his version of Swan Lake which is also drawing from the the children of Lur. Um, um so the two worlds, the one world that we know and the other world that we is all around us, but we don't really understand. And he, he, he I can't remember that he articulated this way or that critics articulated this way, but everybody seemed to be happy that slow moving clouds were bridging these two worlds. The Nordic thing being the more, um, uh, a non-human world and the Irish being rooted in more in reality. I bet if it was if the play was conceived in Norway, it would be the other way around. 
because the Irish stuff would probably be seen as more exotic, possibly. Um, so I think Michael Keegan Dolan was into what we were doing for that reason. And again, it's coming back to those two um, influences um, intermingling that we were talking about earlier that do seem to give the music kind of two levels that, that weave in and out of each other and people seem to get a kick out of that. He certainly latched onto that as being a musical echo of what he was trying to achieve with visuals and text as well. So the, yeah, we wrote the music with them in a army barracks in Longford and um, we were there in some cases, we would bring stuff that we had and see what worked. And in some cases, we just jammed there and then with them and uh, wrote some of the stuff in that way. So, and that was it. And have well, you, it's not it, it's still, it's still going. And, and have you been like kind of taken aback by how successful it has been? Uh, yeah, I suppose. So. The only thing is, I don't think I'd ever seen a dance theatre show in my life before. I'm not too sure that the others had either. And uh, we'd certainly never been involved in one before. So as far as I'm concerned, the next one is even going to be bigger. No, I mean, no, we were, yeah, we were kind of blown away. They were probably blown away as well as the Choctaws of people in that they understand the the whole, how, how success works in that field. I had no idea whatsoever. I just thought this was normal. Well, no, I mean, I was aware that I mean, from word go, it got huge reviews in like five stars in the Guardian, five stars in the Evening Standard, five stars in the, the Financial Times, and then five stars in the Irish Times. So obviously, and people, from what people were saying, it's just that I mean, lots of people were really gushing about it. That it was the best thing they'd ever seen, and that um, you know, it is incredibly dark and incredibly powerful. Apparently, I wasn't really seen it from the front, but uh, certainly in rehearsals, it was it was pretty intense. Now I have to say, I mean, I was absolutely blown away by uh, the mixture of what was going on uh, between the music and the dancers and the Michael Murphy, who's kind of narrating the whole story as well. Um, so on on that level, I think I do remember during the rehearsal thinking this surely is going to make a big impact because like it's absolutely blowing me away. Anyway. Yeah. But um, it's just that I, I know nothing about that world, so I couldn't really compare it to anything else. I just think it's hilarious. I don't know if I'll ever do one of those again. But the, if if I don't, the only one that I was involved in was a, a massive hit anyway. Um, it, it sounds like it's good to keep those kind of uh, relations up, though, like Chuck Dancer will like kind of get back on to you about it. Like, you know, come on, you can you can do another one. Let's let's do I the next do one. Yeah, well, that's, that's up to them. Um, I certainly would love to work with them again at some stage. But um, I guess we have to kind of focus in on our own thing now for a couple of years to um, to, to build on. We seem to have, well, I mean, it's hard to know really exactly. I was going to say we seem to have um, generated interest, but I don't know. We, we have to generate a lot more interest. Um, we have to get out there and play a bit more. Uh, to see where that brings us, and in that in that context, I'm definitely looking forward to the the UK tour to see um, how that all works. I mean, we're playing, and I mean, in, on one level, I'm looking at it going like, why would anybody in the UK want to any of our gigs? Uh, they, we, people don't know us, but as I said, there's a bit of PR going on. But also, my understanding is a lot of these venues 
just have a you know a direct relationship with their the people that they with the punters um, that frequent these places and yeah, it's a bit like we played in the National Concert Hall I don't know, maybe about eighteen months ago in the Kevin Barry room and we did no um, publicity for it at all, but it was full and I think that's because of the relationship with the concert hall and not the people who go to the concert hall. So we're hoping that that's how it works in the in the UK as well, and that people will turn up. Yeah, I hope, hope they will. Because there, you know, it's bigger rooms. They're all like about three hundred, four fifty. So we'd be a bit nervous and excited at the same time. And just coming back to Starfall, then in the release of it, it's coming out on the new People platform, is it? Like that's led by Bonnie Vare and the Desners. The Desners, yeah. The people thing is, is as a concept, is, is definitely a work in progress. I mean, it's definitely not a record label. Um, so to um, uh, to all intents and purposes, we're bringing it out ourselves in in some ways. But it's going to be on their platform, and they will uh, publicise it heavily. Um, and the uh, the downloads will be available through that website. But I mean, the people thing has been kind of building for the last number of years. And it seems to be now it's a collective of musicians and we're in that, which is, we're incredibly happy about. Um, uh, was We would have struck up a relationship with the Desners at the Sounds from a Safe Harbour in Cork last year. And the connection there would have been through Mary Hickson. And uh, Bryce Desner heard demos for the new album and loved them and, and wrote to us um, with a view to doing some collaboration. And so when we got to Cork, he um, he had learned off like four or five of our tunes, which we were how gobsmacked at. Wow. And, and we um, did a couple of gigs with him and um, uh uh, Aaron Desner and uh, Justin Vernon and they got us to play them. Also, we guessed it on the um, they played in the Opera House so we guessed it on two songs for that. And so since then we seem to have been sort of picked up by the whole uh, whatever it is, the people organisation and we were asked to participate in the festival in Berlin a few weeks ago which is an amazing experience of about what, 150, 160 musicians put together and they all have come up with collaborations. And then at the end of the week, there's a two-day festival, which was sold out and people are just brought into different rooms. They don't know who, they know that they know who all the artists are, but they don't know in what configuration they're going to turn up. And so you basically, you're buying a ticket, although you don't know who you're going to see or what songs they'll be playing. So that was an amazing experience. So that's so that's a kind of a bit of a background of what people is. It's a bit complicated for anyone who's even involved as to what it is. But they're going to have this music platform, which to a certain extent should be an alternative to things like Spotify in the longer term. You know, it's not that they're challenging Spotify because they wouldn't be able to do that. Um, it's just the idea that, you know, bands need to get paid for music and if if it's smaller and it's more controlled by the musicians themselves, that there's a much greater chance of that happening. So, I mean, I've no idea how big this can get of a feeling that it can't get much bigger than it already is, but who knows that they may have plans. Um, and 
I think we're going to be the second release. The first release was the Big Red Machine, which is a combination of the Desnes and um, Justin Vernon uh, with um, Richard Reed Parry, I think, from Arcade Fire as well. Um, so we're the second release. And um, in terms of what that means, it means that they use their networks to get our music across to, I guess, all the fans of those other bands and there's loads of other big names like Kings of Convenience, Feist, I mean, loads of people, Damien Rice, Lisa Hannigan. Um, so in, in that way, it, it's brilliant for us because, as I say, the fans of those people uh, get to hear our music. But it's not... Um, Oh yeah, and they will be looking after digital downloads, all right. But other than that, you know, they don't put records in shops around the world or anything like that. That's kind of up to us. And so that's a very long answer to to that. It's kind of a weird situation. I was going to ask you about the People Festival. Like, who did you actually get to um, play with and improvise with? Um. Well, I think Aki won the prize for that one. He kind of wandered into the wrong room, and the band Lima were there and they used to be after clang and they decided they would use it to, to that festival to do an after clang gig and Aki just happened to walk into the right room at the right time so he ended up playing with after clang <laughs> which I mean I'd love to see that even but not to mind play with it um, I we ended up playing with Jenny Lewis who I used to be really big into so I was delighted with myself Um uh, I ended up doing a song of mine with a guy called Howard Billerman, who uh, produced the last Leonard Cohen album before he died. So that was uh, amazing. And we did uh, we did a collaboration with this guy called Alex Rida, who's an electronic uh, wizard type and also a DJ. He goes on the boys' noise. He's a um, living in Berlin and we did an amazing thing with uh, the Russ and Gano family from, from Limerick and Clare but um, uh, and that was in the, in the, the main uh, venues on the on the last night um, I still can't remember exactly how we got it together because we were told it was happening about an hour and a half before it did happen so we wrote out a very rough sketch and um, obviously they're rapping and going mental and well, we all went mental in the end but uh, we played for about a half an hour or something it was really really amazing it was brilliant and beyond that then we were just popping up in other people's bands but I can't remember any of the other main things now do you think that those are kind of collaborations that m- might kind of uh, come back in the future? Like the idea of a slow, slow moving clouds collaborating with Russ and Gano family on an album kind of gets me really excited. Yeah, we were talking about it actually the other day. I mean, when we did it, like us and them, we were saying, you know, we sort this out the minute we get home kind of thing. And I suppose life kicks in. And we were, but we were trying to reignite it there the other day. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if if the maybe if Safe Harbor is on next year, possibly in Cork again, might be an opportunity for us to do that to kind of formalise it a bit more, record it, um, and catch it. Um, so that's kind of where we think that is at the moment. But yeah, that, I mean, some even when we were rehearsing it, people were coming into the rooms. It's just the intensity of was like we've got all this driving medieval kind of nasty noise going on in there, um, 
there doing their thing. It was, uh, yeah, really intense. So yeah, we will we will try and do that. My understanding is we might try if if it, if if Harper comes back to court, we might do that. We have an opportunity to maybe record something, definitely play it live again. Mm-hmm.